0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie the Third,
1: and I'm Jack Allison.
0: And today, my God, we have a very, very special episode. We have the hosts of the hottest podcast of the whole goddamn summer.
1: This is like a very professional podcast. This is like one of the. This is like a very serious. This is like they. They you released a big podcast here.
0: This is one of these ones where they release all the episodes at once, like Netflix is dropping in. Prestige. This is the Prestige podcast. Prestige podcast. Blowback. Going back and talking about the invasion of Iraq, the consequences from it, and the fact that we have completely forgotten it and ignored it and don't care about it. And even today, I'm so happy to have him on today because what's trending right now on Twitter is – president bush because he's giving a eulogy um, at the at the oh. funeral oh. for 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 john lewis and i'm so excited to have you on um brendan james noah cool thank you so much for joining us thanks for having
2: me happy
0: to be here i have listened to all the episodes of your your show which is available on stitcher right now for free but but if you want, you know, all the bonus episodes and you know some episodes that haven't been released publicly yet, you gotta get on that Stitcher Premium. Now they aren't paying us to do any ads. I'm not doing any ad reads. I'm not selling out. I like I let like Brendan sell out. I'm seeing how it works out. Premium. <laughs> yes. See if anybody gets mad at him. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the water's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Come on in.
0: <laughs> but yeah, man, d- this podcast is it- so fantastic. Um, it's it's a Thank really you. great listen. I just I, I just really want to tell you that I I legit en- enjoy it, and I'm like upset that there's not more episodes right
1: now <laughs> yeah no it'll 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 get you really pissed off but it's like such a fun it's such a fun listen and you guys you guys are so good uh, at hosting it but it does you know i i to be honest when like i i heard us on stitcher premium and everything i listened to it i was like nervous it would be a little too npr-ish or something but you do a good job sure. straddling the like you know keeping it fun while also having in all the sound design that is in all the adult podcasts that they do
3: Thank you. Yeah, it was it was an interesting, I mean, coming, you know, if your listeners uh, may know already, uh, I was Chapo Trap House's original producer, and, and that was a quite, quite a different show, really. It was, you know, it's a talk show. It's, mm-hmm. it's like this. And I was a little curious how it would feel, and wh- honestly, whether I'd even have a decent ability to string together a much more, as you say, or I, I hope it didn't turn out like an NPR show, but that more narrative, sure. serialized, um, uh, 10-part, you know limited run type of show and uh, we we tried to make it conversational but it's an interesting balance of uh trying to jump into the conversational bits keep it I don't want to say light but you know keep it uh engaging but uh you know also treat it like a like what it is which is yeah. a, it's it's a little miniseries. it's a story it's a narrative we we're not just mouthing off about uh you know uh Rumsfeld and Paul Wolfowitz we're trying to tell you a relatively brief but in-depth account of this nightmare war crime.
1: I think you do a good job uh, of sort of capturing the like what it was like at the time of it all Uh, uh, and also like you know I think a lot of times like people want to make the Trump administration into like uniquely the worst presidential administration ever. And like, so, you know, so, uh, uh, patently buffoonish or something like that. And we forget how completely buffoonish, like, like past administrations have already been. Like I was really struck listening to this show, you know, by sort of the breadth, uh, breadth of the resistance that existed against Bush, uh, uh, and how similar it is to like what, what happens today. And I guess you can look back and be like, well, that didn't really amount to shit. Like, did it like now this guy is like you know uh uh buddy buddy with ellen and michelle obama and shit and you know uh, you
3: had all you had very similar uh, parallels like uh you know james comey being resistance for for the 5 minutes that he was uh you know zaddy or whatever because <laughs> he went against trump you had valerie plame back in the bush years right. you know a cia agent who liberals all rallied around because she was the patriotic good american yeah. versus the unpatriotic un-American bush administration right you know all of the baggage that you bring with that that is basically leads you nowhere you know if you play on their turf and you try to play it from like you know afghanistan's the good war and uh the cia spook that's uh ratting on bush is the hero Mm -hmm. and uh, those are the good patriot the good deep state people uh you had all the same kind of stuff happening back then it's very true
2: yeah I mean, I, it's also funny because, you know, Brendan brings up Valerie Plame, and uh, Valerie Plame actually recently lost a Democratic primary for Congress in New Mexico. <laughs> yes, um, so a lot of these skeletons are, n- they're not really in the closet, per se, so much as they are kind of tumbling, bones flying everywhere out of the closet and remain <laughs> with us in this day. And, and obviously, Plame is a uh, a very, very small uh, example
3: of that. Yes. Yeah. And. Yeah, to to you guys' point though, I mean, we did start the show because of the rehabilitation, or at least I I felt interested in doing the show because of the rehabilitation and um, neuralizer, Men in Black style <laughs> neuralizer that we that the the country has submitted to with regard to not only the history of the Iraq War, which is clearly what we're focused most on, but just the Bush administration in general, the right. criminality, the the violence, the the uh, corruption the white supremacy everything mm-hmm. that we that we're told is an aberration in trump uh of course it also predates the bush administration but they really notched they they really kicked it up a notch and they kicked off the 21st century i think that's what it is for me it's 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 the inauguration of a new uh era of American malfeasance and and death and destruction and and of course you can go back to the founding of the country and and all that but the Bush administration kicked off this century and and um it's it's what got my blood kind of going on on doing this project
0: mm-hmm. what you document in the show of course because it's about the Iraq War like it's so endlessly horrific that you can't really like hold it in your head like even start, and you start to show years before decades before the iraq war with when saddam was one of our guys right Mm -hmm. and then he stopped being one of our guys and we just basically starved iraq for a decade
3: before the war we we like to think one of the arguments of the show uh, actually is that the, the nineties, the sanctions we carried out in the nineties, which we have echoes of today with Iran or Venezuela, um, the so-called, you know, like soft power, uh, is, is an incredibly violent, um, policy that in Iraq in the nineties, we, we, we argue it is as great a crime as the war itself, you know, which is a, a more perhaps like visually dramatic, um, and classically violent policy, uh, invading a country. But, um, there are, you know, estimates in the tens to hundreds of thousands of people dying and being malnourished in Iraq because we wanted to teach the world a lesson, you know, don't fuck with America or you're going to end up like this tin pot dictator who, by the way, we were paying in both cash and uh, chemical weapons like a couple fucking weeks ago. Um, but we get to do whatever we want. That was the lesson in the 90s was. America gets to do whatever it wants, and if you don't like it, you're going to end up like Saddam. So yeah, thank, thanks for that, because we we wanted to have a, uh, at least an episode there about the 90s.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it's just that the Iraq story is the story of like a generation like our entire like world our culture uh, you talk about all the movies that are influenced by it. like the the thing that you know struck me after listening to your show and you don't cover this on the show so i'm kind of dropping this on you now like the mcu does not exist without 9-11 and the iraq war right <laughs> like the entire premise of the entire of the mcu is basically like what if iron man could have stopped 9-11 is
2: kind of like (laughs) the premise
0: of the entire thing and the answer is oh yeah he does and then like something worse even happens i guess i i I don't know what the exact analogy analogy is
3: but like well the mcu happens yeah Right. That's the that's the Iraq war yeah, of nightmare. cinema. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it costs too much. It's
2: cost too much money. You read about it every day. (laughs) It sort of just like eats culture for about half a decade, (laughs) and then it kind of goes quietly into the night when another crisis of equal weight, uh, the financial (laughs) crisis, arrives. Yeah, so so I think that narratively they're totally
0: Yeah, And so I guess COVID uh, will possibly you know kill off the MCU if if this is
1: yeah. I mean, it doesn't. Inshallah. I was thinking about you know upcoming like Marvel movies and how we're going to be indoors till like twenty twenty two or something. Like that, like, yeah. And it just doesn't like like watching Captain Marvel like save people at the mall. When I'm, I'm <laughs> like, I can't like go to the fucking mall. Like it seems like silly <laughs> to me. Like it doesn't seem. It seems not. Re- it seems actually too fantastical to show people in the mall. You know, like yeah. And I don't know how. I don't know how Marvel functions in a world like with COVID because it can't. You can't like have COVID in Marvel. You know, because uh they have like magic and shit you know what i mean yeah.
3: but also i don't know before the real marvel stuff kicked off with the iron man you had blade in the 90s and it was like oh that was cute okay you know we had a marvel movie and yeah. then you had the x-men movies but you're right it was it was a real staple of that post 9-11 and post iraq war um reckoning that or or supposed pseudo-reckoning America was having of like, are we the hero? Are we world cop? Well we are, but we have to do it the right way. Yeah, right. And and all that stuff. With and, good and guys the,
1: like people for the, the fought in World War II, like Captain America. Yeah. You know, make yeah, America great yeah. again.
3: Back when there was good men running this country. <laughs> and when we occupied Iraq, there were posters inside of Saddam's palace that we took over with World War II imagery on it. Mm. That was, you know, the the classic, you know, whether it's video games, Call of Duty or Marvel Universe stuff. World War II, uh, just graft that on to whatever noxious um, (laughs) war or uh, intellectual property that you're trying to uh, uh, inflict on the world. And it goes down smooth
1: not to belabor it but you know Marvel coming out of 911 makes a lot of sense because Iron Man number one is a weapons developer that tests like we open the movie like and he's basically in Iraq testing weapons on like you know what we're what we kind of just assume are like not real people because they're Arabs or something like that uh and then basically what this builds to what we end up getting to in Avengers is like we get finally to Avengers and it is like a thousand nine11s it's them fighting back in new New York against a thousand nine happening at once. And I, I don't know, like this all helps to like, like if superheroes kind of, you know, came to fruition, you know, around like, the first World War and World War 2 it's like a way f- to help people like order and understand the world. Like, you know, uh, uh 9-11 was so shocking to us. And so, of course, it makes sense that like seven years later, the biggest action movie is about like good people stopping 9-11s from happening <laughs> like in a cartoon world. <laughs> I also think one of
2: the things that like sort of strikes me about this is that like the you know after vietnam because vietnam the details of which the gory details of which and the way in which it permeated all of american life and all facets and and you know really all all um sectors of american life were affected by the war whereas the iraq war without a general draft and with sort of you know like although it permeated although it permeated news coverage to be sure although it didn't have quite that same kind of like Deep reach into people's lives I think that like It sort of Is reflected in this kind of way That like You know there, there ha- I mean as, as Brendan and I Unfortunately found out There are almost no good movies About yes. the rock war There was yes. no serious attempt To culturally process it I mean You could look at You know Like, you, like Whether or not like, oh, like see obviously- I,
3: I, I think there was an attempt But there was a failure Not to interrupt completely. Yeah,
1: that's a better way to put it. It's odd, actually, sort of with Vietnam versus with the Iraq War, uh, is that, like, culturally with Vietnam, you know, we were, like, there was a cohesive, like, response to it, which was, like, people mostly don't like Vietnam. And, you know, the Vietnam War in popular culture and in culture in general. Um, With the Iraq War and with our sort of, like, new ongoing Middle East wars, it's very weird because, like, you know, like creators were publicly anti-Iraq war and you'd hear people sort of making political statements and stuff like that but then actually culturally like our shows are like Homeland and 24 yeah, which like yeah. don't address like real events specifically but kind of create fictional versions that are like based on the american you know uh estimation of how like world events happen like we allowed like this sort of like you know uh uh, cia you know intelligence community thing to seep into our culture even if it's not specifically about the war i actually think that like you know, if you're talking about sort of cultural influence and everything like that, they did a much better job with the Iraq War uh, than like than how Vietnam was handled.
3: Yeah. Vietnam, they they couldn't get their arms around it. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of. It. Yeah. For a lot of uh, obviously a, a lot of conditions were, were right for, for that to, to to really become a countercultural thing. But, um you know, it's, but uh, to your point uh about the Iraq War. And and the movies and the culture that came out of ostensibly liberal creators and people in Hollywood. I mean, look, it's like Watchmen. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, but I, you know, from what I understand, like the politics of that new show are like a mess. Mm-hmm. And but it's coming out of what these same creators and liberal, um, r- rather, you know, usually not terribly curious Hollywood types. Sure, what what they what they think is a, a hard nosed reckoning with the social questions of the day. And I think similarly with Iraq, the movies we watched. A, a lot of them were not like pro war, um, but they did not have the courage to deviate from the narrative of the troops have been through hell yeah. and we need to talk about that. We need to talk. We need to show the troops dealing with and it's and and it's just um, schlocky mm-hmm. and boring and uh, it does it clearly does not hold up uh, even a few years later. Yeah, like the with the thing that I got from really liked about your show is you highlighted the
0: fact that. During the entire time we were, you know, talking about the Iraq war constantly, it was on TV every day. At no point did it ever permeate any sort of media narrative, whether it's CNN, MSNBC, or or what have you, like that Iraqi people were actually human beings with their own will and their own ideas about things even someone like even like saddam like it was not seriously considered that he may at any point behave in any sort of like rational manner in regards to like weapons inspectors etc it was always talked about like and it was they were only there; they only were you know subjects to our imperial will, uh, more or less. And at no point, when you have during like these years and years of discussions and talks and talking heads, did anyone care what any Iraqi person ever thought about uh, the war.
3: Yeah the uh, the way that it kept cropping up within, especially within conversations in the Bush administration. Uh, was whether you were on the kind of softer wing, and you and you know uh, you weren't a, a full on neocon, or whether you were a Rumsfeld or a, a Paul Wolfowitz or whatever. It was always speaking of Iraq, the nation and its people as children that they were right. um, uh, under the thumb of a vicious dictator, so they were just learning to ride their bike and they need training wheels or they're throwing a <laughs> tantrum. Yeah, and, and 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 these incredibly and and not not new or or not novel. Um, um, uh, paternalistic, imperial, uh, racist conceptions of uh, the, the the people that the United States needs to- um, Help civilize. Know, a, yeah, civilize <laughs> and do a missionary mission, all that stuff. That's the thing also is that we started the show talking about the British. Um, briefly, we talk about the British stay in, in Iraq, which of course was not terribly brief, but for our show, we wanted to keep the narrative going as quickly as possible. But it's fascinating to see all the parallels- that exist, regardless of technology, regardless of contemporaneous politics, between you know these empires, there's there's not re- there's only so many ways you can do it, you know. And and the British said we're showing up as liberators. The British said, oh, we need to help you get that oil uh, on on the on the global market. You, you don't want that all state owned. Uh, that's 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 inefficient, and that's uh, that'll fuck you all up. You gotta you gotta let us bid on that and help you develop. And and then flash forward a hundred years later, the uh, same exact uh, strategies were being used. Uh, among those strategies, of course, is like bombing and strafing and doing massacres <laughs> of of Arab people, and and the the population back home going, oh well, you know, they just they're savages over there, you know. It's it's vi- it's always violence over there. Who knows why? Right. Uh, turning a blind eye to the clear aggression on on, bar, <laughs> on, on the heart of uh, America.
2: And as the war went on, I think, like, that kind of, like, paternalism sort of, like, it mutated to accommodate, like, newer sets of facts on the ground. I think, you know, sort of, for example, during the 2005 Iraqi elections, you know, when the sort of American, like, the the American kind of, uh, like, supported election process that began that year – Bush, you know, gave like you talked about so much about all Iraqis want was freedom, 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 and they're excited to vote and everything. And it was this kind of he was describing a fantasy of how Iraqis related to the puppet government set up um or uh, i mean like you know a puppet government right. or or just a very weak government more than anything and how th- it was it just was complete projection you know a little bit like the, the dad who imagines like their kid to be an honor roll student when in reality he is you know no shade smoking weed uh like at recess and i or or like like or whatever like you know what i mean it's just it's not there was a i think like the Part of what the consequence of things like the war is is that it collapses it, like in time, it just ultimately the reality and the facts on the ground collapse the distance between that fantasy and the reality because you can only suppress people's like will and deny what they're actually demanding for so long.
3: I, I just have to I just to keep them honest, I do have to say Noah you did just compare the Iraqis two children in that I, example that you, that you used. <laughs> well,
1: but I, that's the they're a different I'm playing, playing on the children. idea. They're a bad child, oh, yeah. is what you have to understand. Yeah. They're not they're a cool, not an, they're on, they're not an honor, yeah. They're precisely cool child, not not a not a you know honor roll student, <laughs> yeah. right? right.
0: Yeah, okay, and so did one of the things that you did with the show, which I thought was very interesting, is you said you weren't necessarily going to focus as much on bush per uh, and cheney themselves because there were mm. so many uh other villains out there who do you think is probably the most underrated uh villain uh of the iraq war my answer and i got and you made me realize this um is that it uh, for me it's colin powell because he mm. actually is someone who could have possibly possibly stop this thing if yeah. he was actually as courageous and noble as um you know people say not that he could have like stood in front of a take or anything but he could have come out and said like this is bullshit this is not real I'm in the right. administration we should not go to war
1: I used to work at Funny or Die, and I used to have to always go to meetings with, like, advertisers and, like, be part of the pitch of explaining to them exactly how many millennials would see this and how, like, online is really going to get them so many viewers. And, like, I really feel like like Colin Powell did that, but for, like... To kill hundreds of thousands millions of people like <laughs> Colin Powell like like lied for his job like on such a scale like that it yeah is just <laughs> it's like and, and for what for your fucking like job for like honor or something like, he's a truly weird guy
0: yeah it's like he like he went on between two ferns with Zach Galifianakis <laughs> <Yeah.
1: and> all, <laughs> to sell I don't the know. war I'm just like I, I remember those times of like you know having to tell Purina or whatever how many eyes they're gonna get on their stuff and I'm like oh that's that's what Colin Powell did.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's an underrated villain for sure, and uh, of course, you know, like you said, it, no one was was expecting him to stand in front of a tank. The point was at that point that there were there were no tanks deployed yeah. yet. There was all that diplomatic intrigue and all of this priming of the pump in the public eye, and he was far more than any other Bush administration official, a bipartisan um sort of hero in DC a neutral type of presence someone who which is bullshit but that that's what he came across right. as and he could have used that prestige he could have used that and in in a pre-war situation when everything is dependent on optics and and uh the case being made cleanly and and uniformly if he had thrown a wrench in that uh no one person can do anything without conditions and and uh social movement of course uh, alongside them but but he really would have had a shot at at least delaying the war fatally perhaps and and he 100 percent was never even considering doing that so he's right. a good candidate noah who do you i mean who who do you think of as a oh a, a... bremer oh yeah that's true that's true to me to me
2: the the thing is is that it's like you know, in a lot of ways, like Bremer is not like a. I don't think of him as like an ideologue in the way that, like, say Wolfowitz or a lot of the neocons were, who developed the intellectual framework from the '90s onward to, um, like, like you know, sort of form the basis of the invasion and the occupation. But what Bremer was was like a just sort of a disaster thing say who Paul Bremer is
3: maybe for right for so
2: Paul Bremer was the head of the Coalition Provisional Authority right. who was installed by the defense department in Rumsfeld um shortly after the invasion to supervise basically the like interim american led like you know government like or i mean effectively what was a government um out of Baghdad and Bremer sort of like he he just immediately alienated uh, an enormous number of people in Iraqis. Right. He like
1: I mean, the uh, d- there's was the big like he, he got like didn't he like um he fired like every single he like fired professor, everybody. Everybody, he fired everybody because everyone was fired everyone I guess to explain it's like everyone was forced to be in the bath party under Saddam in order to be a civil servant. And Paul Bremer, he's like one of like Patrick Bateman's co-workers or something. Just
3: yes. like put in charge yes. of Iraq. Oh uh, yeah, he's <laughs> adult Bateman. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's grown up Bateman yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I, th- I thought he was more a Bryce myself personally <laughs> <but>. <laughs>
1: He's just like a business guy. Like he to me, strike he like strike right? he's just like is like a corporate guy, kind of. Yeah. It's like yeah. just like a, you get put in charge of like Hasbro and then you get put in charge of like Iraq. <laughs> like it's just like an aside. Uh
3: and, and that's a that's a point we, we actually maybe should have hit on even more. We had a good interview with Naomi Klein as a as a bonus episode recently, and and she really put it quite quite clearly in a contrast or lack thereof to Trump uh everyone you know said wow we're really mask off now or whatever when rex tillerson was appointed you know secretary of state right it's like well Condi rice had a chevron tanker named after her <laughs> <laughs> um <Yeah. laughs> uh donald rumsfeld was the head of a, gi- a giant pharmaceutical multinational was probably the richest person in hey, the and, Bush and administration and by the way isn't that like i'm noticing by the way now
1: you mentioned naomi klein i just i read i read shock doctrine too late, like recently, yeah. but uh, uh, one thing that's like late. wild to read in Shock Doctrine as you're reading it uh, uh, is, you know, Rumsfeld got a lot of contracts in place for what is happening now. Like, you see yeah. like Gilead Sciences mentioned a lot because that's <laughs> the company that like Rumsfeld got locked in as the like pandemic provider back in like Bush yep. days. It actually is like yep. really wild to to read Shock Doctrine today in the, you know, in Covid times I guess
2: and to be clear it's because Rumsfeld was before he was secretary of defense it's because Rumsfeld was the chairman of Gilead
1: right and so what Rumsfeld does he gets in they basically like hollow out all of you know the public uh, uh, any sort of public research into pandemic research or anything like that and Rumsfeld is like I actually know the best guys for this it's the people I just was working with uh, everyone I know they should take over this entire like private sector of government like this is like I guess why I'm like people need haven't come to terms yet with like how badly fucked we're going to be from COVID because like we do have the hollow state like we're in a hollow state in the United States. And like there's no help coming because like we parceled it all out to like Gilead and shit for no bid contracts and they have no real incentive to like get it done in any, you know, uh, expedient way.
0: So we didn't like just destroy Iraq. We looted it as well. Mm-hmm. Who and but uh who do you think ultimately made the most profit off of the Iraq war?
3: That's a good question as far as like the math is concerned we'd probably have to break it down. I mean so many people were uh like like relatively speaking even some of the the smaller actors who just got a, a, a who ripped off a bunch of contracts from the US government inside of Iraq maybe compared to their previous income, you know, it was like a 1 million percent yeah. raise they got. Yeah, like, but, like, you, like you tell those stories about, like, just random, like,
0: douchebags will be like, we're contractors now and we're going to rebuild a hospital for the United States government, and the government is just like, here's $100 million. And, and that's Yeah, it. and <laughs>
3: And then and then they either don't build it or it's like soprano shit. It's like no show jobs, right? You know, like th- that was that was happening. We give examples like you just said. Uh, episode six, uh, uh, its wide release was last week or a week before. It's the one where we talk about a lot of the the occupations, CD uh, underbelly. You know, the the deals and the business, um, and that was happening all the time. And of course, on the higher levels, um, the the corruption makes the Trump stuff look like chump change. Yeah. Um, because it is. It is comparatively chump change. I mean, we're talking about $20 billion contracts at the drop of a hat going to Dick Cheney's pals you know people connected with um just friends of bush friends of the republican party to not like i don't know build a hotel or whatever the fuck trump you know yeah. tries to squeeze out of his relationships with people but like you know reconstruct a nation right uh quote unquote reconstruct a nation um like we said a lot of times shit didn't even end up getting built so it's it was a uh insanely corrupt situation that i would i i, I bet it was um it was a good day even though it didn't they didn't crack open and privatize all of Iraq's oil. It's a pretty good day for a lot of the big oil giants like Exxon and yeah. Total and and guys like that. Um, You're talking. I mean, about.
2: Halliburton by the end of the war got something like thir- over thirty five billion dollars in contracts for as sure, a result and, of the war.
3: Yeah, and then you got the defense contractors, you know, making a pretty penny. Not just Blackwater, you know, scores of different companies that were working. And of course, uh, we're not just talking about like the the most cinematic stuff where you know guns or tanks or security, but down to the Porta potties you know like Halliburton supplied the catering it supplied the just very basic you know like the plastic silverware and shit like that 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 it was a total uh handout uh on a scale that even with COVID you know happening like on a scale that beggars imagination that the Trump people really have not they have not reached yet similar to how the Trump people have not reached a body count like the Bush people have reached Mm -hmm. yet so let's let's talk a little bit about the body count
0: and why no one seems to care and why someone like George Bush or Donald Robsfeld or Condoleezza Rice can still show their face in public with more blood on their hands than every serial killer. Uh, put together in a lot of ways your podcast is a true prime podcast with the (laughs) collection of serial killers that put any sort of ted bunny podcast to shame
2: yeah really (laughs) (laughs) um i think that like the main reason that like they get away with it so i mean so first it's that they got away with it and the reason that like they got away with it so easily is because when and, and we talk about this later in in the in a later episode that has not been released uh put in wide release yet Um, Like the Obama administration made a conscious choice not to prosecute uh, like Bush administration officials. And the the immediate pretext for it would have been um, over the torture memos and the policy of torture that extends for what it's worth all the way from Abu Ghraib to Guantanamo, Mm. um, sanctioned and administered by military intelligence and the CIA. And I think that on top of that, you have like that Obama decision specifically not to prosecute. I think that the media in part because of a like you know their own complicity in ushering in this this hell um there was sort of a a kind of like exhaustion with the entire like with the entire matter and a willingness to kind of like let it slip and especially because after the violence died down af- after the surge had been implemented in 2007 You have the financial crash. And I think that sort of lurching from one crisis to another, um, you know, it it provided a window of opportunity. And these days, the idea of holding anybody accountable. I mean, you know, during the Great Recession, we didn't prosecute or send any bankers to jail that were responsible for like such an incredible, like you know, a civilizational level fraud. Right. Um, And it just sort of strikes me as like, you know. Uh, sort of like totally in tune with like the way that like our political system comports itself or has comported itself over the last decade that we wouldn't hold anybody accountable. And that in fact, we would deify people rather than hold them accountable because it's a way of helping to sell, like, you know, make the case that no, 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 we couldn't possibly put this guy in jail. He was on Ellen.
3: <laughs> we try to bring back the, the show uh perhaps <laughs> uh, uh to, to like ad nauseum uh, that this is this is only explainable a lot of this stuff because we are an empire. Yeah. We're not Denmark we're not you know a small um, you know Western uh, mixed economy or whatever that's just muddling through. America gets to call most of the shots that you can call uh, in uh, our contemporary uh, international order and so that gets you a lot of outs and one of the outs you get is you're not a slobo on Milosevic you're not some you know, like aging bureaucrat who gets to get, you know, dragged into the Hague. You can just, you can coast by that stuff. You're Rumsfeld. Right. Uh, It's never going to happen. And, and that, uh, that, that is, uh, of course, applies to the individual actors, but also as a nation, you need to cleanse your palate and, and always start fresh. So, uh, you get to hold all the grudges you want as as a nation. If, if you're America, Saddam really pissed us off in 1991 by uh, not uh, surrendering and and uh, you know almost embarrassing us by by having to carry on the war for even a month longer than we wanted to. But it's absurd and uh, I don't know unserious to hold a grudge against America if you're uh, if you're Iraq for doing mass starvation throughout the 90s that was so 1995 (laughs) you know so then in 2003 when we're doing a war it's like well why does even if he doesn't have wmd why might he even want wmd it's like north korea you know we we deleted a third of the north korean population in the korean war is that is that at all relevant to why decades later a leadership, however, you know, undemocratic it might be in, in Western eyes, that, that might explain a little bit about why they might want a nuclear weapon so that they don't get pulverized and slaughtered again. But that's but that's just you're not really right. permitted to think that way, and that that's like some weird excuse making or grudge you're holding against America. But uh, we get to hold a grudge from whatever Kim Jong Un said last Saturday yeah. that was wacky. <laughs> and that proves he was he 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 can't he can't be trusted with a nuke. So that constant um washing away of history and starting anew and being the innocent, despite having all of the nukes and having <laughs> right. all of the all of the tanks and doing all the war crimes, <laughs> you know, at least relatively speaking. And there's 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 evil shit that Saddam did, uh partially when we were friends with him, of course. But there's evil shit that Saddam did. There's evil shit that, you know, takes place in 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 regimes or whatever you want to call it that America likes to overthrow. But it's usually chump change Compared to what we do, right. in fact, it is always yeah. Trump change by definition. The power dynamic is such, so I think that a big part of why the body count, to answer your question long windedly, there, the big reason why the body count is swept away now is because uh, we always go back to square one. You know, it's it's and liberals are as complicit with that as anything else because ultimately they don't really care. They their politics are not terribly interested in confronting that question of imperial uh, rap sheets. Uh, when you start
1: to look at almost any country and ask why they're mad at america and you look into it then you're just like oh well okay sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> that makes sense that's like fair enough yeah <laughs> yeah
3: and then and then during the actual war you know i mean i, I remember the other day uh, that quote went around on twitter of uh, some the new york times s- some trump official said we're hoping that the popul the Amer- american people are become numb to the growing death toll or whatever it yeah. was some horrific quote and all I could you know think was it it worked in Iraq. I mean, you know, the, the only have thing we're, today. What, what, what we're
1: doing, uh, and again, I'll bring it back to like sort of, you know, I'm reminded when you talk about the no bid contracts and everything like that, and this happening on a national rebuilding scale. I'm reminded of how like Governor like Cuomo bought a bunch of masks or something from some guy that just said he had masks, and then the White House like DM'd them, and this guy got some like kind of millions of dollar contract. You know, the masks were. The thousands of dollars or something like that. And I'm like, oh, like, mm-hmm. I, and, you know, I'm reminded uh, you say, you know, you're talking about the Trump administration noticing they're remarking on the death toll and everything. I'm like, maybe they're just going to like, maybe they're like, we, you know, the Iraqis put up with it and maybe these people will too. You yeah. know what I mean? We're just like, you know, uh, uh, maybe this is like what globalization really is is we're going to end up sure. like importing these kind of wars that we have to do well, elsewhere. That's, that
3: That's a whole plank of, um, not to quibble around the terms too much, but that is a whole plank about, you know, what fascism is, yeah. is, is bringing yes. back yeah. the violence you inflict on, on, uh, your colonies or neo colonies or imperial outposts and bringing them home to the metropole. Um, I don't think that's the whole picture, but I think that's definitely a, uh, a very, very clear pattern, uh, that happens and it's happening here. I mean, so the, a bunch of the equipment that these cops have and these, and these, yeah. these, uh, these police departments have were left over from the, from Iraq and from our other wars of conquest. It's just it's it's almost it writes itself, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah no, it, you know, uh, uh, I you you can't help but see parallels in 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 how the how America is going to be rebuilt and how we like rebuilt Iraq. Yeah,
3: exactly. It'll be Paul Bremer again, just.
1: I mean, honestly, it could just be Paul Bremer. Like they could be like, because of his experience in Iraq, like this is the best guy for the job. (laughs) Like, yeah,
3: we'll we'll try really hard to get a McDonald's in, uh, you know, Portland or or um, New York. Could
1: honestly. That could honestly happen under Joe Biden. <laughs> like the uh, the the Project Lincoln could influence enough to get Paul Bremer in charge of
3: rebuilding. Well, you America. know, we should mention Joe Biden. Uh, just regard with regard to Iraq. I mean, uh, we 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 didn't st- we didn't bring him in too much to the show because uh, unfortunately uh, we we were still unsure whether he we'd even have to face him as a nominee back when yeah. we were recording it. Sure, but Joe Biden. Just real quick. I mean, um, if you want to put some bones you know, or, or put some meat on the bone of, of why this man should not be given some kind of pass or uh, uncritically supported. Uh, I saw there was that settle for Biden uh, uh, group the other day. It's
0: Very a, inf- yeah. inspirational yeah. Uh, message.
3: E- eat the slop. Eat it. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm 100% going to tell my, you know, 70-year-old mother to go out and risk in COVID to uh, settle yeah. uh, for Biden. Yeah. Um,
3: But this was a guy who was not just a, a Democrat who vocally supported the war, which were you know, dime a dozen, but he was on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He was the chair right. he 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 would have been the key one of the key actors to have um understood how cooked up and um scammy the intelligence was that was being produced in the months before the war, the whole year before the war. and he didn't have a problem with it. And then once the war was underway, he supported it. Uh, he called it a march to peace, if, uh, infamously, in his um, defense of his vote in uh, in 2002, October 2002. And then when everything started to go sour, very cowardly, of course, he uh, pretended like uh, it was all, all a big boondoggle that the Bush administration, um, uh, you know...
1: Tricked everybody. Tricked
3: everybody. He tricked yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the that was, that was classic move. And then he said, we right. need to... Cut the country up into three different distinct ethnic entities, which is yeah. classic <laughs> British-style uh, colonialism, right. and that's the yeah. only thing worse than you probably c- could have done uh, to, to Iraq at that point, <laughs> and uh, and he had to live that down for a while, and and uh, that that that's uh, pretty rancid, and so um, and then of course when he was vice president. I, I wish we had hit this a little harder, actually, in our final episode. But when he was vice president, uh, there's more details kind of coming out about this now from disgruntled former, uh, you know, staffers or whatever. He was really in charge of strong arming everyone to accept Maliki's, you know, 18th term in Iraq. This was the prime minister that that became, you know, uh, basically a, a, a tiny like uh, mini Saddam in, in the years after, uh, who was directly responsible for ISIS. You know, the repressive measures and the authoritarianism was. Is what gave us something like ISIS uh, that, that cropped up in 2014? And that was from Joe Biden being Obama's right hand guy to go into Iraq and wheel and deal and pick our guys and, you know, make a mockery of any idea of democracy happening. So uh, every step of the way in uh, sanctions, invasion, ISIS, Joe Biden's there in the worst way possible influencing events. And people want to tell us that it's 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 passe to talk about responsibilities in Iraq and that we should all just shut up and accept this guy. That's uh that's a pretty rich thing to say if you know anyone who lived in Iraq, who continues to live in Iraq, um, or in or yeah. in the region in general. Go 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 tell that to them. Yeah. Yeah. And Noah, you're uh you're back. Noah's back.
2: Yes, I am I am reconnected. I restarted the router. Oh, wow. The uh, the the broadband internet service of the Adirondacks is not you know it will they're not trying be. to shut <laughs> us down, folks.
3: They're telling we're telling too many truth bombs there, folks. <laughs> we got the documents.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't even do your Alex Jones is just I don't
1: untouchable. Know where it comes man. From.
0: <laughs> I was listening uh, to your podcast at one and one quarter speed, um, and when so when Trump gives his little speech at the um, during the debates about how he doesn't how he. Thought the Iraq war was stupid and it was garbage. Like it has so much fucking energy. Like <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, yeah. I wish a single Democrat had ever said anything like this. It was like Aaron Sorkin had fucking. Isn't wrote that clip it amazing? <laughs> yeah.
2: It's uh, it, that clip, I mean, it's it is amazing. It like shakes me yeah. to my core. It's like so disarming in a way, like I mean, I remember seeing it live and and, and, like revisiting that and the way Brendan is able to was able to insert it in the show. That
1: clip does. That is the moment Trump
3: Trump won the election. I I, I mean, I mean, it really does. I don't want to overstate it because I, of course, it's a confirmation bias to my to to our show. uh, But but it, it is certainly a moment that he he made it clear, like, you don't have to believe any of this shit. That the Republicans say, just yeah. you like bullies. I'm a good bully, and I'm gonna bully Marco yeah. Rubio right now. I'm mean, and
1: I'm I mean, and I and I and I, I hate the people that yes. you hate, and liberals get so mad about me, and don't you like yes. that too? Because <laughs> he just he
3: just lit that on fire, and of course he was running against Jeb Bush, which is why right now yes. all this fucking horse shit about how George W. Bush is going to vote for Biden. It's like, yeah, because Trump humiliated his brother and, <laughs> his denied, brother. and denied his family a third goddamn presidency. That's yeah, that's yeah. why he hates him. He doesn't give a shit about any of the stuff Trump's doing, but that's what motivates him. So, uh, so, yeah. so that, I mean, and I got to say, I mean, it's it, I I don't I don't want to say this in a way that sounds too gross, but you go back, you watch some of those clips of Trump roasting them on the debate stage. Let's just say I I, I it's trag it's tragic that it led to him winning, of course, but it's pretty yes. fucking tight when he launches when hey, he launches yeah. in on some fucking uh, absolute like. Um, stone cold maniac uh killer move on on a on a marco rubio or on a or on a uh, a jeb bush it feels good because it was oh, never yeah. going to happen.
1: That this man won the presidency because of how fun it was to watch him clown on Republicans, yep. like, and that's from Republicans. Yep. Like Republicans hate Republicans yep. so much <laughs> that this man won the presidency literally because of what a clown Jeb Bush yeah. is. To be honest, <laughs> it tells you it, it tells you something
3: because because a lot of those same people in the audience and those the early the early audience, the clip I play, like they they don't like it. They're kind of they're kind of booing that he's he's going in about Iraq. But the but then the next mm-hmm. debate. They either bust people in or whatever happened, but it, it was all cheers after that because I think deep yeah. down, like these are people who would have probably told you, "Oh, the weapons are still in Syria. We're gonna find them. Uh, it was it's, they're still out there." But then Trump gets up there, does his thing. They they just uh, they they kind of admit, I don't really give a shit about any of that. They probably did yeah. lie. Yeah, and 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 <laughs> but now I have Daddy, and and like I don't have to pretend to like or or um, uh, be obedient. to to the party leadership anymore, and they just went hog wild, and then you got MAGA, which is detached from any coherent politics at all, really. Yeah, Yeah. and and
0: that's kind of the thing that, you know, just
3: thinking about all the money,
0: all the lives, (laughs) all the time, all the energy spent on this project that was the Iraq War that only 15 people, you know, really truly wanted on the planet (laughs) yeah (laughs) right it it, it served no benefit to us or even like it like i i guess you know you do kind of say that our new style of fighting war of the runswell version of the low footprint spec ops drone bombing i guess that was one imperial benefit you know of it but i i i don't think that if even if you're the most you know right-wing pro-america You asshole, you can actually look back and say, you know what? That Iraq war, that was a good call. That was a good call for us. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Because if you're not experiencing it, it it, it lacks all of the like libidinal um, uh, juices in your system Like like they, they all would If they were transported Instantly back to 2003 Or if Trump said We're gonna For whatever reason We're gonna do Syria now They would all love it And they would support the war Because it's it's a momentary Passing feeling That that, that gets them You know It, it gets them aroused blood yeah, It's bloodlust
1: It's fun Bloodlust is fun People that are already dead look Like now we can start talking yeah. back We can start being like
3: That was to not look smart look backward It's and useless I, to them now yeah. Now they can use The failure of Iraq To say It's because The, 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 the DC elite Doesn't want you to You know and then they can just become little uh, pretend anti-imperialists for for that for for this current period. But yes, um right. it's it's it meant nothing to them on any deeper level and and in a way you can learn from that. I mean, there's stuff to learn there. It's frightening lessons, of course. I mean, like that right-wing populism, I don't fully buy the, you know, the argument um, you know, that the Republican Party could could ever really go full Herrenvolk. Um, with, with all of that stuff, and suddenly just promise social programs and and be anti and, and be anti war or whatever, and 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 completely muscle out um, the left. But it is true right now that we we do not have a democratic party that is anywhere near, and we're never gonna. Spoiler alert: that is ever gonna um, disown the the clear connections it has and it needs to American Empire, and that's what's scary because figureheads like Trump can come along and pretend to yeah. uh, tap into that.
1: Right. Wow. Because no, no one, one else, else is, is going to do it. To, and, that's, <laughs> and that's like, and it's bipartisan. Like everybody has to, it's agree, like how
3: libertarians you know, of, uh,
1: of all the respectable, it's like how libertarians yeah. convert
3: teens to being to, to their side. Cause they're, cause they're pro. Uh, weed and like pro drugs and it's like (laughs) you know they're the worst uh possible advocate for that but no one else um especially with regard
0: to teens we don't want them anywhere near teens oh my god oh yeah jesus (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's
3: that's the that's the velociraptor uh you know one two punch it's it's it's, but 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 they don't but but they for a lot of people maybe not now there's there's more of a cultural presence uh you know there's a left of some sort now but back in the day you know like um even a young Matt Chrisman was a libertarian for about five minutes because he was like, "Oh, they're the ones who say I can smoke weed. It's yeah. it's good." <laughs> and so similarly, with the alt right or whatever you want to call it, it's probably not even a term anymore. But like with the with that um, weird Trump inflected anti war bullshit that isn't real, that's where a lot of people might might only hear some some correct things and that's terrifying
1: right yeah
0: unfortunately noah's having some problem with his internet give him our love uh, when you talk to him brendan um but uh thank you so much uh, for coming on thank you so much for this show i think it's really fantastic if you just yeah if you just want a, a good binge pod for the quarantine times it's great but it's also like an important document of like all this bullshit that has shaped our world that we've more or less forgotten and before i let you go i actually want you uh if you don't mind spoiling um kind of the ending of the show and about the title um blowback because you do we win we win the well because (laughs) you 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 go in and we think oh this is a podcast about how you know these are the unintended consequences of empire that's coming to us and you actually say no this is part of the program
3: yeah i I don't want to push this too far it's it's just a it's more a a a suggestion or or a a so is bush maybe did (laughs) (laughs) 9-11 right because look i mean i i think there's 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 no doubt that Imperial adventures do result in unintended consequences. That's, that's true. And blowback is the word that the CIA itself patented to, to refer to these types of things. And we chose the word, Noah chose the title because it's snappy and it's, it's a good title. But I will say, and I, as you say, Leslie, I, I bring this up in the last episode, I don't think it's that simple because an algorithm of empire, really it, it requires us to always be in some kind of swamp and boondoggle that we have to go back and intervene again or or um, uh, tweak something here that gets us further involved and then creates commitments and and provides answers at home for why we just need to be a a, a global cop and it's not like everyone always agrees on what 's the blowback and what's the new opportunity but it's it 's not a monolith but someone's benefiting every time whoops those afghan uh um, mujahideen turn out to be al-Qaeda now i i i guess we have to invade afghanistan <laughs> now i guess whoops yeah. i mean is that really blowback you know is that really a bummer for 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 people operating the levers of of the american state or the contractors that we increasingly pay to go and and uh, blow shit up over there probably not and i think that it's a it's a scarier thing to know that there's there's that old uh, quote from some um some general uh, that uh, when Napoleon, uh, I, I believe, when he invaded Russia, so they said it, w- it was worse than a crime; it was a mistake. I think we got to flip that on its head and say all this stuff is worse, much worse than a mistake. It's worse than it's- a blunder. It's a crime. It's yeah. it's it's right. it's not it's it's not unintentional all the time. So yeah, I I think we kind of felt our way toward that conclusion near the end of the show, and uh, and it's I think it helps. I think it helps to to think of this stuff. Um, a little bit uh, more, more deeply, like that sometimes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much uh, again for coming
0: on. Uh, where can people find the show?
3: It's uh, now available at all your favorite po- podcast apps of choice. Um, but the, as you said at the top of the show, there are some premium, like bonus episodes that are never going to leave. Uh, Stitcher Premium. So uh, there's two, uh, and they're, they're they're great episodes. One is with Felix Biederman about Iraq War video game culture, uh, oh, yeah. and another is is with an anti-war activist named Kathy Kelly, who was um, a very brave. Um, uh, writer and uh, activist who had been in Iraq for many years, who we talked to about her own experiences. Those are never going to leave Stitcher Premium. So if you want to hear those, you got to sign up to Stitcher Premium with the promo code Blowback, one word. But otherwise, uh, the show is currently coming out for free on all on all podcast apps. Uh, we're uh, about to debut episode eight, so you can listen to it wherever you like.
0: All right, folks, that was struggle session. Have a good
2: one. See you later. Bye.
3: I still believe president bush should be impeached should have been all, impeached i have to
4: say as a businessman i get along with everybody i have business all over the world i know so many other people in the audience and by the way i'm a self-funder i don't have i have my wife and i have my son that's all i have i don't have this so let me just tell you i get along with everybody which is my obligation my company to myself etc obviously the war in iraq is a big fat mistake all right now you can take it anywhere you want and it took just it took Jeb Bush, if you remember at the beginning of his announcement, when he announced the president, it took him five days, he went back, it was a mistake, it was not a mistake. It took him five days before his people told him what to say. And he ultimately said, it was a mistake. The war in Iraq, we spent two trillion dollars, thousands of lives, we don't even have it. Iran is taking over Iraq with the second largest oil reserves in the world. Obviously it was a mistake. So... George Bush made a mistake. We so, can make mistakes, but that one was a beauty. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized right. the Middle East. But so, you, so I mean, so you still think he should be impeached? I think it's my turn. Isn't it? You do whatever you want. You call it whatever you want. I want to tell you, they lied. Okay. They said there were weapons of mass destruction. There were none, and they knew there were none. There were no weapons of mass.
3: Destruction.
0: Okay. All right. Like what you hear? Want to hear more?